Welcome to The Yoga Voice, a podcast by City Yoga, School of Yoga and Health. Our guests discuss how the contemporary practice of this ancient art transforms the lives of individuals and communities in the Midwest and beyond. City Yoga has been a center for the practice of yoga and yoga teacher training since opening in 2002. Join us as we explore how yoga inspires and transforms. Dave Sims here at the Yoga Voice, and today we have an awesome program for you. So in this episode, I got to talk with a yoga teacher. She's a, a yogi digital nomad, traveling yogi. She's the CEO of Yoga Latin. She's a Thai fascia practitioner. So she's doing a lot of interesting things with her yoga in the world. And we talked about her journey over 20 years as a practitioner and a teacher in central Indiana and her world travels and in the community locally, we really had an interesting conversation about looking at diversity and needs within specific communities. We talked about her work with people of color and different communities that she's been able to have an impact on delivering yoga and the benefits and the, the subtleties of this ancient practice. We talked about, in her, she's doing a lot of traveling and throughout the world, but in particular, she had a very transformative trip to India in the Mysore area. And of course, we touched on all kinds of other topics from kids and family and school and purpose in the world. And, but really, it was a very delightful conversation that we, we could have talked for a, a couple more hours, I'm certain. And so I hope you enjoy the podcast that we have for you today. And here we go. All right. Welcome, everyone. This is Dave at the Yoga Voice. And we're at City Yoga today, and we're having a awesome conversation with a good friend, Yogi Latin. Welcome, Latin. Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> so thank you for taking the time out to come in and be here today. And I always like to lead off with the question of what's inspiring you about yoga today, either in the world or in your life? Um, I have to say... I am inspired by watching the diversity that's happening in yoga. Um, and to see all humans becoming very aware that yoga is something that needs to be a lifestyle. And that's been um, a, a mind passion for me to see that yeah. um, and watch it grow over the years. And and the other inspiration part of it is, is how yoga has shifted and changed in my own body uh. and how it feels now versus when I first started and having the appreciation to still be able to move mm -hmm. and uh, to be still inspired when I'm taking a class because that sensation, addiction feeling that I love feeling yeah, yeah. <laughs> from yoga is still there and it's never went away. Yeah. So that inspires me. That's what keeps me going. Keeps you going, keeps mm -hmm. you back on the mat. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, and I should add to our listeners out there, you know, we have a broad audience in the Midwest and in Indiana and beyond internationally. People are picking us up. But 
But City Yoga, we're in our 17th year. I've wow. been here seven. Yeah. Of course, you know Nikki. And you were in the first teacher training class. Yeah, that City I, believe Yoga it, had. I believe it was the first. It was. I, it, it was? I, yes, it oh, was. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So I looked it up. Oh, and, wow. Uh, okay. so, I thought it was, but I wasn't for sure. Yeah. yeah. So that's very cool. And have your, your daughter in the current right. <laughs> teacher training class number 34. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> number seven. Three and four. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome. So. Wow. Well, let's talk a little <laughs> bit about your um, your yoga journey and, and your life journey. Like what what was Yogi Latin before the yogi was attached and what brought you into yoga and how has it evolved and where you're at today? Um, people always say, um, when I noticed it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so taking me back... Yoga before Latin was, um, I started yoga when I was 18 and a half in school at IUPUI. And before that, I was doing yoga, but didn't know it was yoga. So I was always flexy and always doing splits. And I was a cheerleader. And um, so the spirit of it was in me. Um, but I used it in music. So I was in music and I ran track. So I was pretty athletic and, um, I'm an only child. So my joy was music and keep moving mm -hmm. and staying active. Cause I remember hearing in the media, if you stay active, then you stay out of trouble. Uh -huh. So I pretty yeah. much stayed active and, uh, to keep me busy, um, I found anything to do anything to do after school. If it was a yearbook program, if it was a music program, if it was any kind of program, I did it. Yeah. Um, just to not come home so I won't be bored because I didn't have brothers and sisters. Mm -hmm. And so as I um, graduated and I went off to college, I went to Vincennes um, in my 18-year-old thinking, um, I had came from a childhood of um, that was dysfunctional. Um, and I didn't know that. So my choice of being involved with um, a significant other was out of fear. Mm -hmm. And in that fear, um, I um, decided to explore adulthood and um, was with child after that. Yeah. And so within that, um, life changed. And um, so going to college made me come back home. And uh, being involved with an uh, individual that was a little total, totally opposite from my lifestyle, which was interesting because I always want to fix people uh -huh. or I was always want to please people by cooking. So I was in a house household where I cooked a lot while I was with child and um, was searching because I just thought life couldn't be over just because I have a child. Uh -huh. And so I put myself back in school while I was um, pregnant. <clears throat> and while I was in college, I uh, ran across this class that said yoga. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know what it was. And it was in the athletic part of the section where there was Tai Chi and there was uh, aerobics and things like that. So I decided to um, pick classes on Saturday that were movement classes. So mm -hmm. I took aerobics in the morning and then I took yoga after that. And then I took no aerobics tai chi and then yoga okay so my whole saturday was eight to twelve oh like back to back yeah. back to back to back <laughs> what, a, so what just, a great combo right <laughs> and i was to the point of 
picking classes what I wanted. Okay. So I've always been a little of a rebel. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and it, each semester it got like that. Each semester I always had to have that Saturday with an aerobic class, Tai Chi, and yoga. And I did that for about two years. Okay. And my first teacher was Lori Collins, which oh, yeah. was an Iyengar teacher. Uh-huh. And um, I was inspired by the yoga class um, when we did Shavasana. In the end, I would always just go somewhere. Yeah. And that feeling was so great. And I really never really paid attention to her words. It's just the feeling when she moved us through the class. Mm-hmm. And then as the two years passed, Lori moved on and a new teacher came in, which was Barbara Badger. Oh, wow. Barbara, yeah. So Barbara Badger was my next teacher. Okay. And um, she was more of a curvy teacher. So when she came in, my attitude was, oh, how's she going to teach us yoga? And she even <laughs> mentioned it. She said, I know you guys are probably looking at me thinking, how am I going to teach you yoga? <laughs> yes, the curves are going to teach you yoga. And so I really, she made us laugh and she yeah. made us enjoy yoga differently. Mm-hmm. She used our bodies and our um, as examples for things mm-hmm. she couldn't do. And yeah. she she taught well. And so for about a year, she would encourage me to teach. And I didn't really understand what really still what yoga was. I was just flexible and I could do the poses. So it was yeah. easy. It was easy for me. It's like I was like a little Gumby (laughs) of the class. And so I used the yoga. I used the yoga every semester. I had to have yoga while because it kept me calm and it kept me good through the midterms. Mm -hmm. And um, I started loving the yoga more than taking classes that I found that I didn't want to go to classes. I wanted to just go on Saturdays just to take this class. Well, um, my my relationship started shifting. Um, I think that I was getting more confident and more stronger mentally yeah. and started seeing things a little clearer. And I started auditioning for coach cheerleading and I started trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And um, I slowly parted from that relationship. And um, because of that relationship, it became very violent okay. um, because I was there on Saturdays. Maybe it might be something else I'm doing, uh, but it wasn't. I was actually chasing that spirit yeah. and the feeling. And um, so um, I slowly got strength um, from taking the yoga class and just got on my feet and I left the relationship. And um, from there, um, tension happened for about a year, but I held on to yoga mentally. Mm -hmm. I didn't really stretch on a mat at home. I just held on to there was something else out there for me than this. Right. And um, so I got into dancing more and took dance classes. And then I just started picking the classes I wanted to pick while I was in college. Mm -hmm. And then individualized degree came into effect in the liberal arts department, because I think they started noticing that a lot of students were doing their own thing (laughs) because times were shifting and careers were shifting. Uh, So I got into the individualized degree program where you could name your degree if the board agreed. Okay, And I was doing small yoga classes just making it up in the black community and little dance studios and um, I was at home schools and um, I would teach the kids alternative uh, schooling for those children who wanted to um, they couldn't learn fast enough or they couldn't keep up with other students so they would get with me and we would do more visual work uh-huh. so they could grasp it and then we I also taught yoga for the school. Okay. So every day we did yoga 
And I just did based off what I thought my body felt. And I just had them do it with me. And my mother was really athletic. My father was too. And so I caught on pretty fast and the kids caught on and we brushed our teeth every day. So it was this regimen that was happening Uh in my life. And I also incorporated that in my life with my children. By this time I was married and I had one child and I was pregnant on the way with my son. And I just kept yoga, playing around with it. And I remember when I lived downtown, I ran across the Riley Towers in Indianapolis, Indiana, and they were doing a yard sale. Uh-huh. And on the floor, I mean, on the ground was this book and these blocks and this strap and this yoga mat. Okay. And I was like, oh, that's that yoga stuff. <laughs> Those tools, you know, I didn't, at the time, I, I was like, I need that. And so I think I got it for like five bucks. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, so I bought the whole thing for five bucks. It was Hatha Yoga. Okay, and, Hatha Yoga. That's yeah, interesting. Yeah. It was the, I can't remember the name of the book, but it was the original book of the lady that was in the white leotards. Oh, like Lilius yes, one? Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. And then it was her and this gentleman. And so I was reading through the book and noticing when I was reading it, I never understood the breath part. It's like, I I know how to do the poses, but I'm not understanding the breath. So I started playing with my husband, using his body and and (laughs) using my kid's body and just playing yoga in in the home. And um, my heart and desire was to be in yoga teacher training. And I knew that it was around, but I didn't know where. So finally, I did some research, found out that Barbara Badger was out in Brownsburg. Uh-huh. Um, and I knew I couldn't get to Brownsburg. I wasn't driving. I was um, more of a um, an earthy, earthing person, walked and bicycled everywhere. Yeah. And, um, so I was thinking, well, how am I going to get to Brownsburg? So I just left it alone. And then um, in 2002, um, I kept stretching kept teaching yoga, not certified uh, at the Urban Consortium, which was a a black center of black dancers. Was teaching a little bit of that. Uh, Marsha Bennett, that was part of the president of Black Expo. Uh So these people knew I was like doing a little bit of yoga and was just inspiring me. She had been to India. So she was saying, Mm -hmm. I can't wait till you get seasoned, you know, (laughs) and you can really get certified. We're going to work on helping you get certified. And um, I was making up flyers trying to get the churches to do yoga because I noticed that, you know, obesity was really high in the black churches, but I couldn't say yoga yeah. um, because that was like a sin and that's like worshiping the devil. Yeah. And so all these perspectives that I was hearing before I became certified was bothering me because I was like, well, it makes me feel really good. And I know I've been doing yoga for about six years now. Mm-hmm. And how can I get my own black people to do yoga? And finally, um, I uh, had a death in my family, which was my son. So Mm. this is when the table starts changing. So a lot of my shift of yoga was a shift in, I'm still here, like the voice. I'm still your friend. Yoga is still my best friend to me. When my son passed, I went into um, a whole nother relationship prior to that. And um, I was dancing. I was stretching, still doing yoga out of the books, still reading little books of Buddha books and the Nichiren chantings. And then I didn't know really what it was, but I was always looking at this, all these, I had collected all this holistic type of living. I was eating a proper properly. I was doing smoothies. I was doing tonics. 
but uh -huh. I still hadn't mastered this yoga. Uh -huh. And um, so I finally was fed up because after my son had passed, I kind of got into a little bit of drinking, smoking a little bit more heavier until I started looking at the top of my cabinets and I was rewarding the beautiful bottles and the shapes. Mm -hmm. And I knew that something was disturbing about that because yeah. that couldn't be what I want in the next 20, 30 years of my children to see. Yeah. So one day I just took the bottles all down and I was dancing with Carol Geinhardt because she was painting and would have us dance and do improvs. And um, I knew she did yoga, but not, I didn't really didn't inquire about it. Mm -hmm. I just was always loving her spirit and she was always smiling. And she's like <laughs> and a beautiful full, soul. Yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah. she's full of joy. And then when I met her husband, Larry, they were so sweet and they invited us into her home. I just became very attached to them that one day she just said, you know what, Latin, I'm going to see if I can get some yoga for you because she knew my son had passed. Mm -hmm. And I was, I was said, I had said, okay, I was going to be great. I didn't really know what she was going to do. So she went to Nikki and asked Nikki, could I have some yoga? Well, Nikki gave me a whole year of yoga free, oh, nice. but I didn't use any of it. <laughs> I was still in my junk, yeah. still dealing with myself and then that next year when I kept looking at those bottles that's when I finally had said I can't live a life like this yeah, yeah. and I'm a tiptoeing around when I'm drinking my friends are drinking heavy and I'm making sure I babysit them why well, drink just a little just to fit in mm -hmm. it's that kind of thing and I know better almost a little codependent exactly yeah. <laughs> I, I deal with a lot of codependent that's a whole nother topic okay. in the yoga 12-step recovery <laughs> uh, okay. all right all right yeah so finally um Carol came to me. She said, look, what are you going to do? You know, are you going to go to yoga? Have you been to yoga? I'm like, no, Carol, I have not been. She's like, just go. And um, she says, As a matter of fact, there's a teacher training happening and it's right down the street from you. And I was like, no way. She was like, you need to get in. And I was like, no, it's not a teacher <laughs> right down the street. She was like, right down the street. And I had just got my tax check. And normally I'll pay up for six months of rent on mm -hmm. my tax check. This time I took the tax check and I just said, I'm just going to go give City Yoga majority of the money and I'm just going to figure it out. I have to pay rent because <laughs> I still was this entrepreneur trying to figure it out, make clients, build flyers, mm -hmm. build a network of people, getting people conscious. I was trying to make some kind of noise, but I didn't know how. So yoga kind of opened the door for that. So I, I ended up going into City Yoga through the training. I was so excited and I remember... Also hearing Marsha start talking and I was looking at Marsha and I was like, man, I know that woman from somewhere. Uh, and she was looking at me too. <laughs> and at the end of the class, we realized that Marsha was my neighbor when I was married, when I used to always want to go to this yoga class in Woodruff Place uh -huh. that I never went to while I was married with my children. Okay. And she was married to the Christian man <laughs> at the time she tells the story yeah, about yeah. the Christian guy, whatever. And I never went to her class for her to be in my teacher training as my teacher, I knew it was nothing but God. <laughs> right. So I was like, Marsha, we know each other. And when I told her what the connection was, she was like, it sure is. <laughs> so we connected that way. So I knew that this teacher training was good for me. Um, I was inspired by Nikki, how much her knowledge was of her yoga and the Sanskrit and how she was just so knowledgeable about everything. Yeah. So I was really inspired um, in teacher training. And I was in the class with another German lady that was also black. 
And what I would observe when I was in the class, it was about 15, maybe 16 people in the class, yeah. maybe. And we were the only blacks. Mm -hmm. And so that always bothered me because I'm always usually the only black. In my whole life, it's been like that. In cheerleading, wherever I go, I'm usually always the one that does something a little different from my culture. Uh -huh. And so when I graduated, that was my goal. My goal was to spread yoga because it felt so good. I was like, I got to spread this to my community. We can't think that this is something as a curse or something devilish because of a Christian religion. So um, as soon as I graduated, I went off and started doing flyers and promoting um, and explaining to people that yoga is not um, a religion. It's actually a, a exercise of science. Your body actually feels really good. We don't even have to call it yoga if I can just get you to breathe and stretch. So I was just running around doing this at different churches and uh, different functions. And then I remember um, Sean Korn was coming and uh -huh. I didn't know who she really was, but she was doing a lot of detox programs and things like that. And um, I remember her coming and I was inspired by how she was teaching. I was inspired by... Uh, Chris Roche, yeah. how he would teach when it comes to that personal training, getting your core together and strength work. So mm -hmm. he was one of my um, inspired teachers. And then um, there's another teacher that, is it Cro Crosby? Oh, uh, um, Crosby. Um, what's his name? Yeah. Vinyasa um, teacher. Yeah. Um, Chuck. Chuck. Chuck, yes. So Chuck was, Chuck and... Um, Anna Hoke. Anna Hoke, yeah. yes. So Chuck would walk around the class and teach, because I would take his class and Chris Rose's class, and I would want to figure out how to master walking around in a classroom and not being able to jump on the mat to teach and demonstrate. Like, how do they do that yeah. and still get people moving into the class? So I asked Chuck um, and Chris, could I come to their class sometimes and help assist every now and then? Yeah. Um, but I did more Chuck, and I was like, he said, yeah, just, you know, just start watching or whatever and do what you need and then start walking and then start talking, jump up a little bit and get back down if you need to just let people guide themselves through. Mm -hmm. um, so I, that's where I really learned my vinyasa flow of how to teach a little bit better. And I got more classes with city yoga and um, then corporate started kicking in more. Mm -hmm. So I was teaching corporate yoga, how Marsha would teach us. Yeah. And I was teaching the vinyasa flow for Nikki. So yeah. it was like I was kind of do these two different styles yeah. of how I was taught. And then eventually that merged into who I wanted to be. Mm -hmm. And then um, my um, my boldness of teaching came from uh, Karen Fox. Oh, yeah. So okay. I used to teach in her home. And uh -oh. um, before, before, before the Broad Ripple Studio. Before Broad Ripple Studio. And she would take me off into Detroit up in um, Birmingham. Oh, Michigan, Johnny, it was Johnny Kess. Yeah. And so I got to see the community of yoga before it was here so big. Yeah. And I was like, man, this is like really wild. This is great. And so she just babysitted me and took me in. And every time she went up there, I went. So I was blessed to be with a lot of yoga teachers, great yoga teachers locally here that, you know, took my hand and guided me while I was moving through. And my battle was relationship versus career. And so relationship okay. codependency was pulling me here to the right versus left career was saying, hey, this is where you're at. You're helping people. Yeah. Things are cha changing. Things are dynamic. You're great. But relationship. <laughs> so um, and that's when the yoga and 12 step recovery kicked in. Okay. And when that kicked in, that's when I learned that I was 
a codependent and enabler. <laughs> ah, that, yeah. It's like light bulb. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> oh, that's what that word is. That's what I do. And um, so that changed really for me. Um, and at the time, the space holder and all that had not kicked in yet. So I've been kind of been blessed to be in the first of things. Uh-huh. And then they've changed and merged and growed. You know, I can see everything growing. Um, so for me, it's been this, this ascension that's been happening uh-huh. since the beginning of my time period all the way where we are today. Um, I, when Nikki was going out into the world and doing more and more things, I was like, looking like, no, I want to <laughs> go with you. But I was finding my own footsteps mm-hmm. and really looked at Nikki like, if she was my mom, I wanted my mom to do yoga. Because my mom is very bright and smart and worked for the government. And she's a life coach in her own way. Uh-huh. And so I saw that in Nikki. So sometimes... I would get upset when Nikki would go off personally yeah. and, and she can hear this personally. I would get upset like, man, I want to go with her. <laughs> she take my hand and go with me. But yeah. I still had stuff and junk to work on, you know, right. and really that came from a place of looking for my mother. Mm-hmm. Um, and so currently I, I know that now. Um, and uh, I would hear voices in the community um, wanting me to teach yoga in different places a lot where I was getting pulled to the point where the networking was kicking in, where people like, oh, Latin does yoga, and she does yoga here, and she does yoga at the Flannery House. She does... Now I'm doing more community. Uh-huh. So I was praying and hoping that people start getting certified that we're black, because <laughs> I'm not the only black yoga teacher that's active. There's other black yoga teachers out here. And so yeah. I went on a search for looking for them. And then I started discovering that there were more black teachers worldwide that I didn't know. So in 2006, I did a Google search and said, um, where are other black yoga teachers in the world? <laughs> <laughs> and then this um, uh, International Black Yoga Teachers Association came up with Krishna Carr, who yeah. is in L.A. Um, she started uh, Yoga for Youth in the Juvenile System. Okay. And um, she had a retreat happening in uh, Rhode Island at the uh, Zen Center in Rhode Island, which actually the Zen Center that we have here. The director who runs that, Mr. Rhodes, he was over that Zen Center back then, okay. 2006. And I called them and asked them about the retreat. And they said, um, would you be interested in teaching? Because we don't have anything called vinyasa or power yoga here at all. And I was like, yes, <laughs> are you serious? And they said, yes, we'll house you and everything. You just get your flight here and you could teach oh. um, during the weekend training. So um, I got put on the program. I flew out there. It was my first time really flying out for my yoga, my first yoga gig. Yeah. I had a law office that sponsored my flight. So it was really great. I was like, oh, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm getting ready it. to do some things like Sean Corn. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and Shiva Ray. So in my mind, I'm thinking this is this is it. So I, I get to Rhode Island um, and I see all of these black yogis that were elders. And so it just really opened my eyes to that, to where are the yogis my age and younger? Like, where are they at? And um, so I was very honored to be there and to take the yoga training and learn from Krishna Kar. And then we had a couple other yogis that are there now that are actually doing worldwide things now. Um, Chris Hawkins and um, Jana Long and Maya Brewers run the Black Yoga Teachers Alliance today. Okay. And they are the ones that put the whole program together to help Krishna Kar. Okay. 
And so um, I got to um, sit in a room with no air and sleep on a on a cot on the floor. That's how simple it was. Mm -hmm. And meditation walks and eating vegan and taking pictures of bugs. You got the legit ashram experience. Yes. <laughs> and doing yoga and doing the kirtan. And it was really peaceful and it was wonderful. And uh, when I came back, I, I wanted more of that. And uh, again, relationship versus career always pulled me back and forth. Uh -huh. um, and so um, as the years went by, I eventually merged out of uh, the yoga studios. Um, I wanted to figure out how I can become more of a better entrepreneur. So I got into private work where um, actually I started doing workshops at the public centers at uh, Garfield Park. So I ran a workshop called Touch Yoga Massage um, training, which taught people how to do six poses uh, twice a month and break the poses down. And also I'll massage and ease them in by touch and ease them into the pose, which now are adjustments. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, a lot of those people really appreciated that. I did that for 12 months. Um, most of my clients were, um, participants were actually from Eli Lilly because I was in Garfield. Close there, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then that's where I met Lisa Daltrey. Oh, And Lisa okay. was there. And then I told her to go to City Yoga. I said, you're too good. You need to go to City Yoga because you're good. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, you think so? I said, yeah, you're good. Yeah. And so, you know, Lisa, she's doing her thing worldwide. And so it's just she's, excellent. She's still teaching here. Yeah, yeah. she's still teaching here, yeah. doing, I mean, and singing and doing her beautiful thing. So that was interesting because we did a swap. She went to City Yoga and I stayed at the healing, healing uh, spaces. Yeah. Healing place. And I did more massage because I was learning more massage then with the uh, lady, Laura J. She was teaching me massage and we were doing exchanges and other mas uh, massage therapists were coming there and we were exchanging and learning. So I basically got grandfathered in uh -huh. and I really was attached to my fascia release because I felt like that had a lot to do with yoga. That's what we do every day when we do our right and left. That's moving our fascia and releasing um, on our own through breath yeah. and it made sense. And so that's how that whole workshop worked. Well, some of the people that were in that workshop became teachers. Okay. And then I started noticing that and I was thinking, okay, this yoga thing is working. People who are in corporate are now becoming yoga teachers or going out into the world and doing what they love to do. Mm -hmm. And, um, I still was working on my community, still having relationship pull me. I, I'm always keep saying that because that was that was one of my issues in my life of pool versus teaching yoga and how yoga was the strongest one that won yeah, in that. Yeah. Um, and as life went on and life experiences happened, um, I um, still continue teaching yoga. I went to Warren Central and started teaching some um, uh, youth yoga, really got into that. And um, I just started spreading my wings around and just promoting myself and putting proposals out there with YMCA and um, other youth programs, dance programs. And I've been doing that for about since 2004. And then in 2014, I needed a shift. I needed a shift. And the shift was I started noticing other yoga teachers coming around of color. Ah. And I was thinking, this is great. In 2004. 14 14 okay. yeah oh, 14. where i was looking so about 10 years of doing your yeah thing and then, doing my thing okay. and doing a little bit of traveling and then eventually not traveling and then i got in a car wreck and then the car wreck my body shifted 
And I started learning what the noise that people were talking about in their body. Because remember, yoga is easy for me. I'm almost, I was at that time, I was kind of contortionist and didn't even realize it. Okay. Um, my body wasn't able to do those positions anymore to a degree. Uh-huh. And then I was tired walking up the steps and I was picking up weight and my hormones were off and I couldn't figure out what was really going on, even though, and I wasn't doing teaching hot yoga anymore. And hot yoga really cleansed me mm-hmm. teaching as many classes I was teaching through the week. So, um, I now also went through therapy for a year and, um, they encouraged me not to do yoga because I was already hyper, you know, hyperextended in my Physi- limbs. Physical therapy. Physical, yeah. yeah. And that did something to me and it made me pick up more weight and that depressed me because again, I love movement. Yeah. And then finally, after maybe six to nine months of therapy, nothing was really working where I was still having these little funky little dee this is hurting behind the neck. Yeah. yeah. Good morning here in the lower <laughs> back. And I got tired of that noise. Yeah. So I finally told the physical therapist, I'm done with therapy. I'm getting ready to go back to yoga. Um, full out. I, I can't do this anymore. I need to get my fascia release work happening. I know what's going to heal me. And so once I started that, I did that for about two, three months. My body got better. Yeah. I felt much better. Um, my hormones were still off. Couldn't figure out what that was, but that was a shift of change in life. I was getting close to 40. Um, um, things you eat, you can't eat anymore. Um, mm. And even though I didn't eat that much, it's still it's the same good foods you eat. You have to start winging those out yeah. and finding new things to eat. And um, by 2015, I decided to start a, uh, as I call it, a yoga life coach technique okay. model that I wanted to come up with. And I was going to take six women that were curvy and put them on this program that I created. And out of the program, I pulled four people that are that are now basically have lives have transformed from that. Um, I had not packaged it yet. I didn't even know I had the ability to do it. I just was doing it. Mm-hmm. And so uh, 15 and 16 and 17, I had just been living a life of creating what I think I might possibly could be okay. and what yoga could be current for me. And then I found Thai yoga massage. And so in Thai yoga massage, um, the Soma Veda down in Florida um, was like the cherry on top of everything that I knew. Okay. Um, it helped me to find the structure and the, the the lines, the meridian lines and how to clear out along with doing my fascia work. So I combined the two because when I was came out of uh, Thai yoga massage training, they allow us to be creative in whatever it is that we do and merge it based mm-hmm. off the structure. So that's how I came up with Thai fascia. And so now when I do Thai fascia, it is um, about five to six of us will retake Thai yoga massage and infuse it with flowing movements where it's almost sensual as a touch along with um, passive acupuncture touch. And what that does, it releases and it also opens the neck and spine and um, drains out lymphatic you know, um, release out of the joints and it's a long term, it's more of a long term, um, sensation and, um, benefit than chiropractic adjustments. I'm not saying anything's wrong with chiropractic because every three months I get chiropractic adjustments, Yeah. but this is more of a passive for some people who can't do yoga. Maybe their body's just jacked up. They haven't stretched in a while. Yeah. Um, a way to give them vitality and give them more oxygen in their body. 
And so what I'm currently doing with yoga today with that, with Timas Pasha is just educating people about where it's merging to, I think. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's a new ph phenomenon because when people get done, they go, I don't know what you just did to me. <laughs> they look drunk. But thank you. But thank you. <laughs> yeah. And, and. And there, there's seven treatments out of that or more, depending on what's going on with their body. So that's what I've been running with since last year, February, and also combining yoga um, in their schedule and then meal planning and then maybe smoothie packets. So I just assess the client. I assess the client now based off what they need, Okay. Uh, which, which is basically a health coach. Yeah. Um, so my overall goal is I think that maybe I have to get certified as a health coach because I don't quote unquote say I'm a health coach, but I think I've been in the game long enough to know what I'm talking about. And yeah. um, I think I'm a result of what I'm, what I say and what I teach. Um, I'm still working on now me um, chanting now. I picked up chanting this summer, um, Nietzsche's chant, like actually really doing the chant twice mm -hmm. a day. I'm struggling on the second evening chant at night, yeah. but I'm getting there where I'm learning to complete things. Um, again, I, uh, I've taken on since last summer um, a transformation for myself where um, I started doing a seven day detox with a sister from Chicago that was a recovering addict and she changed her life. And I was um, um, really honored by her story and I started becoming an ambassador of her product, which is the seven day detox. Okay. And it's a monthly detox. So seven days out of the month, basically it's no chewing for five days. Mm -hmm. It's three 32 ounce juices that we drink every day. And then the smoothie kicks in the last two of those five. Yeah. And then the last two days of the seven day is a salad with the smoothie and juice. Okay. And what we were seeing and what I was noticing, people were ridding waste more than losing weight. They were just ridding waste and their guts were going away mm -hmm. and which most people kind of want that waste and yeast yeah. and all that stuff you, yeah. know, you, you got going on. Yeah. And then also it was teaching me a discipline of integrity because you can't chew. No cheating. <laughs> no cheating. <laughs> so I struggled for about five months. Each month I got better because okay. at first I was beating myself. I was like, Oh man, like I just needed some nuts because I was feeling, but I do tell people to take care of themselves. If you feel lethargic, you feel like you're going to faint, get some nuts in you real quick. Mm -hmm. That's what you got to do. Don't be foolish. Get some peanut butter, some kind of spread mm -hmm. or something. Cashew milk. Cashew milk. Yeah. New York. Yeah. Yeah. Cashew milk, almond milk, any of those. But for people who've never had that, I always, I'll say get some, a spread or something and yeah. eat something because sometimes you have to work with people's mental, uh -huh. you know, and, Sometimes you don't want people to fail. So you want to help them understand, okay, today you did that. And it's okay. You got the next day and yeah. continue it on. Cause you want to get them to a completion as much as possible and understand there was some, there's something bumpy about it and it's okay. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not going to be smooth. You don't have to be perfect. Just keep doing it every month. And your whole goal is, is to aim to get there. And when you get there, you feel rewarded. If you yeah. just say, oh, I can't do that. I did it for three days. Oh, that's terrible. Shut it down. That's mm -hmm. what people do with yoga. They'll go to a yoga class and they'll say, oh, yoga's not for me. That was too hard. Oh, no, I couldn't do that. And so I always tell people that that was that class. I said, there are over 20 plus type, types of styles of yoga now that basically can resonate to your body. You know, mm -hmm. so I really advocate about chair yoga, restorative yoga, 
Um, I only talk about Ashtanga, Ashtanga yoga now because I went to Mysore. Okay. I tell people, if you want to transform and you want to know how strong your body can get, do Ashtanga. Mm -hmm. If you want to uh, do that once or twice out of the year to get that pool and detox and want some clarity and just get away from the noise, do Ashtanga. Yeah. Um, but I don't encourage to do it for life. I yeah. mean, because that's hard. It, it can be hard on your body yeah. and then do some restorative. So when I do assess clients, I give them three different three different types of yoga that I think that they should carry with them every 10 years. Every 10 years, I think people should change yoga styles. OK, I really from watching yoga for almost 20 plus years, your body changes. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the bigger thing in yoga today is educating people on how to know what type of yoga to take now. Because okay. to get rid of the fad, yeah. you're taking yoga. Well, what does your body need now? Mm -hmm. What does your body need 20 years from now? I don't need a stanga at 90 years old. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't need power vinyasa today right now in a mental state that I may be in currently. Uh -huh. So if we could get to a point where, and that's where I'm an advocate, where we could educate people where they can know this yoga is for me. These are the three that I tried. This is yoga. Comedic yoga is one of them. Educating people about comedic yoga. I really was curious about comedic yoga. I was like, hmm, hmm. it's movement. It's not a question, does it work? Because I know it's movement and there's breath work. So yeah. I went to the advanced training so I could learn. And it's different movements that our bodies don't do in a regular Hatha, Iyengar, or, you know, Astanga class. It's a whole total different movement. Uh, yeah. So it's really that yoga is movement with breath then it doesn't matter what style it is. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm coming to that realization about yoga. Yeah. That's interesting because yoga does, I mean, we were, I was always taught to listen, listen to your body mm -hmm. and, and do what, like you start to listen to that more intuitive voice mm -hmm. on, on what, what you need out of either out of a class or a style of yoga. Mm -hmm. So I think that's, that's interesting that the 10, the 10 year increments, you know, um, I know is, you know, I came into yoga through meditation. Mm -hmm. And so like my meditation in my twenties was different than in my thirties mm -hmm. and forties and, and now fifties. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, but finding, you know, like a lot of yoga the last 10 years and how that's played into you know, the little shifts yeah, and like what my body needs. And, and I think like all of us have this innate sort of attachment to what's familiar. Exactly. Exactly. So we, and we sort of disregard aging. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And it's like, Oh, I'm just gonna, keep doing just not gonna stay young. <laughs> yeah. 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 So <laughs> I think that's true. very interesting that your perspective on like, yeah, what style is going to, and, and even, you know, we're seeing a less of a focus on styles anymore. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it's kind it's of that. becoming more therapeutic. Yeah. Seems like to me, it's like, what do, what do I need? Yeah. What it's, it's um, like when I first started, I remember it was Hatha Iyengar. It was just learning the alignment. Yeah. And then it came into power yoga, power yoga yeah. vinyasa for breath because i needed to learn how to move breath and i just learned how to stand in a line and know that i'm breathing and not tensed up and in a car tensed up um 
And then as the time started going by, I had to get into Kudalini because I was emotional. Uh-huh. And, it, I, and whenever I'm emotional talking to the mic, <laughs> I run to the mat. Okay. I tell people. So that's where the colorful yogis get on the mat came from. Okay. So I'm, I'm going to talk about that because colorful yogis to get on the mat is going to get trademarked. And what that was was a play on the words to get black people on the mat. Okay. And then over time, I knew that it would be all different types of yogis where it became colorful because the only way I could pull them in is to say something colorful. Okay. Because I feel like, yes, we do as black people need some space to understand where yoga is because as a race, I believe that we're behind. And there's a lot of questions. There's a difference for me teaching a black person versus another race. It's Mm -hmm. a difference because the culture is different. The same as if when I was in India, when I taught English, was teaching the Indians, there's a different way that they learn. Um, So they weren't used to the fluidity and flow. They were used to a tent hut. Tell me what to do. I'm standing up to listen to you. And I had to get them and teach them how to soften. And then within the week, I became the student. Uh So when I went to Mysore, India, I like to talk about that, how that happened. When I was trying to find myself last year to teach myself how to be alone, not depend on my relationships and be okay in the world, because the fear was is that I was going to be traveling in the world alone. Uh That's why I never went out there in my earlier days. I never always wanted to wait on my partner so they can get there. Okay. okay. (laughs) No good. (laughs) Because they actually will, they'll, they'll water their seed when they're ready. And I had to learn that. But um, I was hindering myself when I did it. So one day I just finally, I said, I'm going to let go of all this relationship thing, yeah. emotions, bitterness. I've got stuff to work on from childhood all the way up to get me where my happy is. Like, mm-hmm. where's my happy? Yeah. And uh, so I went to a Yudea retreat with Rashida last year. She asked me to co-teach um, with her. I was very honored. I was very, very honored. I'm getting emotional because... I didn't really know what was going to happen when I got there because an incident had happened in Chicago prior to me going there that closed the gap to make it beautiful. Okay. And so I knew it was God. I was like, okay, God, okay, what are you trying to show me? So I go to this retreat and these women are here and I'm learning how to do this seven day detox and we're drinking juice and everything I love to do. We're in nature. We're running through the forest half naked, just feeling <laughs> grand, you know, and yeah. chasing each other to race. Uh, one is on one side and one is on the other. It's like a, a, um, a U shape and we had to meet and cross uh-huh. and meet at the other end. Oh. So it's just to get that out of my system and to eat well, to look at the pictures and see how I was um, mentally stressed and didn't know. And that these women kind of helped me to, to be their teacher and to be honored and just be raw. Yeah. It was nice to be like a student. And um, so I started going back to Chicago twice a month just to go to Rashidat's um, Lakeshore class okay. in Indianapolis and just to see a community building. And, um, and then I got this phone call on Facebook Messenger <laughs> <laughs> from an Indian man that asked me about the classes and asked me had I ever been to Mysore. Now, for years, I would see Ashtanga Mysore uh-huh. on people's schedules and classes at studios, yeah. but it never registered me to me what that really was because okay. I never really took Ashtanga. Yeah. And I was like, oh, 
Oh, this is this is where people go and like, get the training. That my sore. Uh, okay. I was like, okay. I was like, well, so what's up? And he was like, well, you, I see that you're with a community of people, and you're with the Black Yoga Teachers Alliance, and we kind of want to reach out to you guys and see if you guys are interested in coming and see if we have a program here that we can probably serve you. Mm-hmm. And at the time, I wasn't. I was a little leery about it because I was like, why did you pick me out of all the people? And so I said, well, you need to show me proof and you need to show me where the lodging is through video. And so for five months, we were on video. I was seeing the locations and the city and people that met the driver. That was a um, a driver that actually drive drove Keno McGregor. Oh, yeah. So once I saw that, I was like, okay, well, this might be okay. Legit, and, yeah. yeah. And I prayed with them and they took me to the temples. And so I mm. was praying for... Um, future things to happen and just for awareness and to open up and be okay and just trust the unknown. And um, really it was when I saw Kino, that was the confirmation. So, and I decided that I was going to go on this journey um, because my daughter had graduated and my son, he was in college and they were doing well. And, and I said, I don't know how to take care of myself. When I wake up in the morning, I didn't really have a structured routine for myself. I had been taking care of children and everyone else and was structuring for everyone else. So I had to get with me (laughs) (laughs) because I was just wake up in the morning and I would thank God for waking up and have my tea. You know, I would do that. But I really just didn't I really didn't have something to jumpstart me. And getting on the mat alone wasn't enough for me. I love doing yoga with other people. But I really needed to learn how to get with me because it starts with me. And uh, so I started getting on the mat a little more. And I started telling myself, remember, you started Colorful Yogis, get on the mat for yourself also to also not just motivate others, but you got to get on the mat. And I was like, is that really true that I have to get on the mat every day? Mm-hmm. You know, in my mind as a yogi, yeah. almost 20 years, I met, I wasn't on the yogi on the mat every day. But mentally, I was there, or I would read, or I would do tea, or I would do you meditation. I was practicing. Every day. I was practicing, not, but not, not physical. Exactly. So then that's when I got into my eight limbs again. Uh, okay. And someone mentioned the niyamas and the yamas. And I was like, I got to get back with that. Because <laughs> I think you were doing an interview with, I don't know who it was. I think it was Lisa. Or maybe it was Marsha. It was yeah. Marsha. You two were talking about how you guys get reminded because of teacher training. Every six months. Every, right. Every six months. So book. you have to have integrity. So I was like, yeah, that's that kind of that kind of integrity. And it could be hard, you know, because you got to check yourself because there yeah. it is. Right smack in your face. And uh, so I was getting real with myself and starting to kind of get into the eight limbs again. And um, um, I decided to go on this journey with myself okay. and healing journey. So I call it my yoga journey and healing tour. Okay. And as I go out, I'll also lay hands and work and do Thai yoga massage with my Thai fascia and just start telling people about it. And if I can guest teach in places and just be nomadic. Mm-hmm. And so I gave my address up and gave it to my daughter. So I have no address. So okay. that's why I call myself this yogi digital nomad because I'm on a social media to, to rise and to travel and start to explore other yogis and other locations and to tell them to be a student. It's okay to be a student. Yeah. So that's where I'm at. So I'm being a student. So I went to um, my steps where I went to Vegas for like 28 days and went into meditation and 
just focus with myself. I have a family friend there and I pretty much stayed in the back room and did a lot of reading and on the mat, writing, figuring out what exactly I wanted to put in the future for the unknown, what I'm going to do when I get to Mysore, what's really going to happen here. Why am I going to Mysore? Yeah. Because um, I'm not set up in a training class. I'm actually going to see a family and see what's to come, what they want to present to me, because I'm going to consult. Okay. And I'm actually going with a blind eye. I don't know what's really going to come out of this. And so after the 28 days, I came back to Indianapolis, got some settled in some things, got some clients together and told them that I was going to be leaving and that I would be back. And so I got the ticket. Did the visa, started writing everything down. I said, because I must have I must have to teach this to someone else <laughs> because something's gonna happen out of this. So I started documenting things. Okay, that's good. I was like I better document things. And so um some of the things I went through with the getting my e visa, you know, it was a little difficulty and making sure you have the measurements properly correct. You know, you could get denied. Oh, and, your yeah. photo and all oh, that. Oh God, yeah, yeah. yeah, that was a mess. But you know, I did it. It was experience, and I enjoyed it. Yeah. <laughs> like anything that happened wrong, I was like, oh well, I'm gonna get there. And um, I wanted to see uh, Guru Sagaru. Oh yeah. I wanted to see him at the huge festival that they oh, have. Oh, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. Um, starts with an S. Yeah, Isha Yoga, Isha Yoga, and it's the um, Mahashivaratri. Yes, in, yes. Like March or something. Yeah. yeah, I was trying to get there for that, and then I found that you had to take the inner engineering yeah. uh, training before you can do that. So I was like, I'm just going to go and get there, and I'll be there in the monks of the three million. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll just be there. It's huge. So, yeah, I mean, it looked huge. It looked beautiful. So my goal was to get there, to get to that, and then my driver was going to pick me up from there because they were going to go. Okay. Well, that didn't happen because my e-visa wasn't ready. Oh, okay. So I ended up going after that event. And then I uh, flew to Dubai. Um, and then I went into Bangalore. And when I got to Bangalore, I was in the in the airline and was so nervous because I really like looked like no one. <laughs> and I was so tall. Oh. And so... I got it on camera, too. And I was like, OK, you guys, out those doors over there, I'm supposed to go out the doors. But I see nothing but eyes and they're all Indians. Yeah. And so I was like freaking out. And I was thinking, what are you doing? Like you danced in front of thousands. You've taught in front of many people. Yeah. And I was so nervous. <laughs> I was like a little kid. Yeah, yeah. So I go out the door and then I hear someone say Latin, Latin. And it's Brother Harish. And Brother Harish just grabs me and takes my bags. And in my mind. I'm thinking, because people are always asking me all these questions, you don't know where you're going, you don't know these people. Yes, I had a lot of that in the back of my head, but I had prayed so much and had such good energy that by the time I got there and once I saw his face, I knew I was okay. Uh -huh. And I knew I was okay when I got in the car and it was a two hour trip where I fell asleep. <laughs> yeah. I would never fall asleep with someone I don't know. Right. But God just put me to sleep. Yeah. And the next thing I knew, I was inside Mysore in front of Mr. Pradeep's home. <laughs> and I looked up and I said, did I go to sleep? And he said, yes, you went to sleep. <laughs> and I looked and it was this beautiful home. I was in the city or these beautiful homes. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm really here. And so yeah. I get out and they're taking my bags and taking me upstairs. And I just knew I was safe. And it looked like everything that I looked at. And um each day, uh, they were slowly uh, winging me in to meet the family, and I met the, the mother of the house. Um, so I, I lived with a politician, and they have an Airbnb up top. Okay. So 
um, the family member that is a guru over there that's known in the city was coming to start teaching in the mornings, but I started teaching the first week. And then the second week he came and it was nothing that I expected. I mean, I knew I could do yoga, but he was doing things that looks like a rubber band. <laughs> and, and he was four nine. Oh, so wow. it was really short. And I was thinking, oh man, he he's bad, but you know? <laughs> so I was like, okay. And then I had the fans going for my class for the first week. They turned the fans off. So that was the first realization that I said, oh, you're a student today. And mm, so yeah. from those three and a half weeks, we did yoga every day except on Sunday, which is considered holiday. And um, and we only did like two hours of yoga. And then periodically I would go up the top of the terrace and practice a little bit. But those two hours of that practice every single day for six days a week transformed my body. And then I walked around with a 2.5 liter container of water. I drank water for 40 days while I was there. Yeah. And probably had maybe two side drinks on the side, but the rest was water all day. And um, we scootered everywhere and I started meeting more people. And um, some of the, um, the driver had introduced me to some Japanese um, chicks that were taking yoga at one of the ashrams yeah. and, and I started meeting other people were in, that were in Gokulam, you know, yeah. over there versus I was in the other part of uh, the city. And so I felt real honored and then they fed me and they did everything they said they were going to do mm -hmm. um, and took me around and showed me all the different areas. I went up to Chamundi Hill. We did that a lot, like three, four times. This is big hill as if it's like the Hollywood yeah. hill. So imagine looking out at L.A. Of course, that's what Mysore looks like. I don't know if you were able. You I haven't been to Mysore. You haven't no. been to Mysore yet? No. Okay. No. So yeah, in Mysore, that they had this Chamundi hill that's huge. You can see it everywhere. And so just think of Hollywood yeah. hills. And when you look out, the infrastructure is the same way. So they're like um, one of the main um, number one infrastructures that's in India Yeah. Um, that the other cities are mocking. Okay. Um, and they still have the tradition there in Mysore. So everything is traditional. There's no gestures of flirtation. There's no gestures of holding hands. And you'll see every now and then the youth periodically holding hands, but yeah. not much. But so over time, in about 20 years, they're going to really be a functioning city, like to the point of they're selling lots. I mean, it's just yeah. so much land out. It's beautiful out there. Yeah. Um, I, mean, I talked to some people that went over there like in the 70s. Yeah. And there was no cars mm -mm. no tvs yeah you know and then by the 80s it was becoming more western and like it was like this rapid evolution and, yeah it's just happening some of those guys were like oh like i used to like to go because it was wasn't so western, so western yeah <laughs> so yeah that's that just um, been coming it sounds like yeah what i noticed also when i first got there there like it was trash kind of all in the streets and then by the 30 days when the election, because I was there during the election, okay. when the election was final, then you started seeing these um, trucks moving and just tearing down everything on the sides of the street. Didn't matter what, if half of your house was there, that's just what it was. They yeah. gave them a warning and they just went all up and through the streets, through the villages, through the city and moved everything and pushed everything out. Okay. So that was very interesting to see because yeah. I ended up going to Bangalore twice. My experience is I missed a flight. Okay. Yeah. So that's one of my, I said, okay, God, I must be missing a flight because someone that I'm going to bring over here, may, that may happen to them and <laughs> I got to be prepared. So I was stuck in the airport for about 12 hours. That yeah. was an interesting experience to 
be able to not know the language, no one really understanding what I'm saying, um, no American plugs to charge oh, your cell phones. Okay, yeah. I wasn't prepared. My credit card didn't work. Oh. So in this experience of this, I was fasting. So I remember my credit card doesn't work. I was embarrassed to call my people back from my store to come get me. I was like, I can't call them back to come get me. And um, I was just determined to go ahead and get another ticket. And then I missed the flight. Yeah. And well, I missed the first flight and then the second flight was full. So I was stuck there. So I was like thinking, okay, well, I'll just backpack it a little bit for three days, four days. Yeah. You know, I can do this. <laughs> I'm American. Right. And then around nine o'clock that night, this uh, one of the Indian guys was on his phone. And um, when the city shuts down, the electricity sometimes will shut down. Yeah. Um, it just shuts down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can't do anything about it. Yeah. Um, so uh, when he, when it turned back on, he let me use his phone because my phone was acting up. It was crazy. Yeah. But what I kept holding on to was my breath. The whole time I was there, I didn't get upset. I did cry the first in the beginning. I was having anxiety. I was like, oh, I'm, I'm in the mini middle of India. <laughs> and you idiots, you missed your flight. And how I missed uh, my flight was that we don't have flights that are 3.30 in the morning. So I didn't think that that was real when I saw that it said 3 a.m. that uh -huh. I needed to be there at 1.30 a.m. I just knew that that was 1.30 p.m. Uh, okay. So when I got there, they told me other people do that too. I had another guy from the UK. He did the same thing. Yeah. So I felt better. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that was my experience. But anyway, I just kind of let that go and I just started breathing and um, I drank water the whole time. And I actually sat my water uh, container down and one of the gentlemen had ordered a water and saw my container and picked my water and asked me what my, what my name was. And I said, Yogi Latin. And then he said, thank you. And he did, he did the, did the, the, eight, the, the, the jiggle head. The jiggle head. <laughs> yeah. And then he just took it and turned my water bottle up and drank out of it and said, thank you. And in my head, I remember because in, when we were in yoga training, everybody drank out of the same water bottles. If mm -hmm. it was like two or three, if you had water, water is a blessing. So you don't not, you do not share water. You have to share water. It's not a yeah, thing. Not an option. Yeah. It's like, so, you know, I had to get over that whole germaphobic thing, <laughs> you know, yeah. and then I just thought maybe that's a blessing. So, yeah. So I ended up being at the airport through the night. And then finally the guy said, why don't you call your people from my store? They you can't stay here throughout the night. And I was like, I think you're right. So he talks in their language or whatever and tells them that I'm I'm there. They're on their way immediately. They're yeah. on their way. So it took about two and a half hours. I go to sleep around this, this little um, uh, unit that where you can charge your cell phones. Uh -huh. And all these women, these uh, Indian women and their children were feeding their kids and stuff, had blankets and stuff, and they were all asleep right there. So I slept with them. Okay. And they all, we all covered up and they just let me sleep with them. Oh. So I thought it was just a sweet gesture, you know, just to yeah. take me in. And then I did see a couple people that I knew because when I was in Mysore at the palace, they had a big event. Yeah. So some of those people remembered me and said, weren't you at the Mysore palace? So I thought that was kind of cool. Oh, yeah. So I was like, wow, okay. Yeah. So I think I kind of like this, yeah. you know? And so then I um, get picked up and I go back to Mysore, okay. back to my apartment. They hadn't moved anybody in it. And I'm there for an additional seven days. Oh, right. So I ended up doing 40 days okay. in India. And in those seven days, I appreciated every minute. Yeah. Every yoga class. Well, for two days, I was sitting inside the room looking for the best flight. So yeah. they didn't bother me. They said, no, she's, she's in manic mode. <laughs> 
Don't mess with her. She's yeah. trying to find a flight. So for okay. two days, they didn't bother me. They just came and brought me food. And um, then finally, when I got a good flight, um, the third day and fourth day, I did yoga. I did it even twice a day. I start, I went out and walked instead of getting picked up to go places. Yeah. I started walking around and I was like, you know what? Let me get to really know this place. And so for those four or five days, um, it gave me an appreciation of being organized, uh, appreciating time. Yeah. Um, I can take this away from you anytime. You know, you asked for this universe. It was like universe said, you asked for this. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, do your diligence. You know, yeah. that's what I felt. And so I was feeling very appreciative when I came back and flew um, the opposite way. Yeah. So I went the opposite way. The ticket got me and I ended up being in Malaysia uh -huh. and then Hong Kong. So I was going to go to Hong Kong and stay for the day. But something was going on with the weather. Yeah. And I wanted to go see the big Buddha, but that didn't work out. Yeah. So. Next time I go, so I'll be going again. But um, then I end up in Beijing, and that was an interesting experience. But just to be able to see the little bit of culture yeah. gave me a taste of that's this is what I like. Yeah. And then I ended up in Vegas, where I always come back. And my flight didn't get me to Indianapolis. Something happened where it was canceled. And I ended up having a whole weekend with Spirit. Gave me a whole weekend with vouchers and everything in Vegas. Now, remember, I have family in Vegas, so... I stayed up in the hotel on the strip the whole weekend. <laughs> I visited them once. Oh, yeah. They were like, you're still, you're here. And yeah. I'm like, yeah, I'm here for the weekend. And, and and it was also a blessing. And it was also during the time that the son that I told you that passed away, mm -hmm. it was on his birthday. Oh, okay. So I took that everything was in alignment just to get me to that day. To yeah. tell me, because my whole mission when I first started yoga after he passed away was I was doing yoga in the name of him. Uh-huh. And then I changed that mission. And so it was kind of this universe and God and him saying, you did well. You know, you did yeah. well. Because I just felt so blessed. I was like, wow. And then people were encouraging me on Facebook because they were like, you're like been everywhere. Where Are you back home? And, yeah. And then I just had this. I felt like I was motivating because people were saying, you're you're motivating me to just get up and do, do something different. You know, you're motivating me to to drink water. Like right now I'm doing a 14 day water challenge. Okay. And my, the water challenge is basically a reminder that basically we take advantage that we have water mm -hmm. and being over in India, it's not just readily available. Mm -hmm. Um, in my store it was, but I mean, still the, the way they have their water functioning, it's still not readily available compared to uh, ours. So, um, the water had really, transformed me, changed my body, cleansed everything out. I had no preservatives in my body, so I was lean. Mm -hmm. And when I came to the United States, I was afraid to eat. Yeah, yeah, I didn't yeah. know what to eat. I didn't know what to eat because I knew as soon as I intake sugar and salt of something, I'm going to start swelling and everything will start, the pain or anything yeah. I had in my body would come. I had no pain. I felt very blissed. When mm. I flew over the Pacific Ocean, I feel like God gave me a purple sky and a purple moon and reflection and all that, that whole transition was this transcendental type of something that came across me. And I was the only one up that saw this. It was like one side of the plane. People probably have seen it, but I just, I haven't, I'd never float, flown over Pacific. But anyway, one side of the plane was purple. The other side was blue. Uh -huh. And it was just beautiful. It was this beautiful thing. I recorded everything. I had everything recorded. <laughs> That's good. So in my mind, I was like, okay, wow. I was like, man, this Pacific Gulf is just beautiful. One day I'll get to see it. One day I'll get to see it. 
And um, so I did get to see it this summer. I got to go to the West Coast and be all up through Santa Barbara and yeah. San Diego and Santa Monica. And I'm in love with the ocean, yeah, the Pacific Ocean to this day. So I've decided today what I've been currently doing and still what's inspiring me is to figure out how yoga can be inspiring to others to be bold mm-hmm. and to get up and do things that you don't know what's going to happen, like getting ready for the unknown, like stepping into leaping into the unknown. Because my whole thing was I'm going to leap into the unknown yeah. um, safely. So I asked the universe to allow me to play into the world safely and um, to allow me to have the healing hands that I have. And I'm thankful for it to be able to heal. And um, um, I'm thankful to now when I came back, my daughter, she had a massage table sitting in her apartment and I thought it was for me. And she was like, no, that's for me. Uh And that's when I had an idea. I said, oh, you might be interested in some of the stuff that I'm doing. And uh, I said, well, would you want me to teach you? And she said, well, you know, you could teach me some or I could go to school. And uh, that's when I kind of talked to you about her getting in yoga training. I said, I think she needs to be in yoga training to find herself, like kind of get grounded. And so to see that has given me a confirmation that the work that I've been doing is living the work of yoga and keeping it as my best friend and keeping it close to me has carried me all this time. Mm-hmm. having the breath, being appreciative, waking up in the morning, having a regimen to chant, even when I don't want to chant, even when I'm chanting and I'm zoning out, I'll put myself in a trance sometimes. Mm-hmm. I'll just go into this trance um, to drink tea and be thankful. Um, and then seeing other sister friends become, you know, yogis and um, hearing how I've inspired them and um, and then watch them just go off into the world and just move quickly. Yeah. I'm thinking it took me 20 years to get here. You guys are moving in one year. Like I've got a couple friends that are lawyers and now they are running retreats and um, in DC they are traveling. I mean, moving fast. So mm-hmm. people are moving rapid because people want it. I think, again, I think it's a, 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 a opening or something, a gate open or something. It's a shift. Something. Yeah. It's a shift happening for sure. It feels yeah. like. Yeah. Cause it's yeah. moving really quick and people are want, run, wanting it and they are, not ashamed to say it now. Um, people are talking about, um, you know, what's going on with them mentally. Um, and even me, I've, I've dealt with a depression mm-hmm. for since I was a little girl and didn't realize that. Um, and that's why yoga has been so close to me, because I think yoga has curved that for me whenever I had this teeter tottering happening and not moving. I even thought not moving was depression because I could just sit in a chair and stare off and think yeah for hours but i didn't know that that was like a form of meditation uh-huh. you know um so it's kind of where i am today yeah yeah well you're you're like moving <laughs> through the world with a lot of grace it yes. feels like and and yeah. like i you know when i sit down and talk to people i try to look for similarities mm-hmm. you know and that's and i think that that allows me to to move to to show up authentically mm-hmm. and be in a place where that um, I mean we're all connected yeah in this in in that sense mm-hmm. and that you know I mean I grew up in a dysfunctional household mm-hmm. and I, I get that mm-hmm. I lost a son mm-hmm. I, I get that like I mean there's there's these little like these little moments of 
of our being human. Yes. Right. And yeah. if we can, and we can see see our similarity. And really, I learned that in twelve step recovery. Yeah. You know, it talks about, <laughs> you know, don't don't compare. You know, just you know, look for the similarities instead of they talk about terminal uniqueness. Like, yeah. Well, you know, picking out our differences and like, well, I'm different because yeah. yeah and exactly. so I, you know, unlearned that thinking and, and learned that look for similarities. And, and excuse me, when I traveled, much like I think, like why, what it sounds like when you were traveling, you you're showing up real authentically because you're mm -hmm. comfortable in your own skin. Yeah, and yeah, and that's like a you know opens the doorway to to being um, what's the word? Just I guess showing up authentically is yeah, is integrity is an, and yeah and and not everybody has that because. Yeah. If I don't want any more sneaking, no more lies, no more secrets. It's, yeah. It's being a therapist, you know, you hold a lot of people's secrets. You know, right. people want to share their lives and um, you have to be really careful what clients you take and what people you intake. I, I learned that too. I don't always have to touch on everyone. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, I have to be mindful who I intake. Right. You know? And I'm, and I'm okay with that. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. it's not a need to get everyone to like me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right, know? right. That the old yeah. codependent thing, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, yeah. you know, we um, we talk a lot about the uh, chakras and the energy, and then the um, I was listening to Rolf Gates this weekend, and he was talking about how the the uh, really the lower the lower three chakras are the our hidden roots. Mm -hmm. So like that tribal and things we learned from our family of origin and, and yeah. growing up and friends and community. And some of those, um, those influences show up and some of them are multi-generational. Mm -hmm. And so like having balance in the ener energies of those aspects of the, the lower chakras allow us to navigate with an open heart. Mm -hmm. and, and it seems like you're you've done a lot of your work, and you're navigating mm -hmm. with this open heart in a way that, um, I mean, you kept popping up on my radar, you know, like oh, it was always, you know, <laughs> we run into each other at Monumental Yoga yeah. or somewhere, and and you just had this this light, you know, Thanks, that was shining that. from you, and and I so I wanted to get to know you better, and, and I knew you were up to a lot of interesting things, so I'm like, oh, we we got to get you on the podcast for yeah, sure. I appreciate that. And that, and I think it's really um, interesting and inspiring, like through your work you're doing with people of color and, and in the community, mm. in a way that seems like very uh, almost cutting edge, you mm. know. And and you have an awareness, like you're looking around, going, I think there's a need here, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah. And that's um, the diversity we're seeing see yoga and and how that's growing mm -hmm. and i know you know i've always you know as a you know as a as a white male coming into a community it's mostly women mm -hmm. yeah. right there's <laughs> yeah. like and i was thinking about that the other day i'm like i think i think i'm the only white male <laughs> yoga studio owner out of like about yeah. a, you know a ton yeah, maybe a hundred <laughs> yoga studios in the community right so i'm like how'd that happen yeah but but what I noticed is that 
So if, you know, my, my goal has always been, well, the idea that if you're at peace with yourself, anywhere is home. So mm -hmm. I can, I can travel, I go to other countries, be in other cultures and just be me and feel, yeah. but there's, there's a little bit like I'm different, you know, like, or not thinking I'm different, but like I look different mm -hmm. or I'm the only guy in this room with 30 women. So <laughs> observing, does that make me hold back or not show up like really wholeheartedly or right. authentically? And, and I, I think the more we look at diversity in yoga, recognizing that, that I don't know how, what else, what's going on in someone else's head when they show up in an environment yes. and everybody looks different. So, mm -hmm. and so then as the space holder, of maybe an environment where someone comes in that looks different. Mm -hmm. Like, so being sensitive to like, how can we create this space that, that fosters diversity and yeah. fosters people being to let their guard down yes. and just show up without worrying about mm -hmm. how other people are gonna take it, you know? Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Oh yeah, yes, yeah, and, it makes sense. And that's where, um, and I've been thinking about that a lot lately as I've talked to both um, like Nikki and Rolf mm -hmm. are collaborating. They just announced doing a uh, yoga teacher training for people of color. Awesome. And, it, and it's like very specific and they, they, it's, it's going to, it's going to be awesome. Yeah. I, I, I'm not sure. I think they've done one before, maybe in New York or somewhere in the Northeast and, and um, they're bringing it to Indianapolis next year. Okay. And, and so, like you were talking about going to the to the west coast and the east coast and find you know black yogis and yeah. find and and I was thinking well you're kind of bridging that that community yeah and creating some little beacon here in the midwest mm -hmm. it sounds sounds like whether intentional or not uh and and I think that's I think that well what I'm seeing now is for a minute when I came back I was like okay I'm going to put this program together and put it out there and see who bites. But then I had to really get real with myself and make sure that everything is legal. Everybody has insurance. Or, you know, I don't know about international travels yet. Uh -huh. I, I learned just going out there. And so I want to make sure that everyone feels safe when they go because I do have indigenous people wanting to go to Mysore. I do have yogis that are like, I always wanted to go to Mysore, but I was afraid because of the things that I've heard, uh -huh. you know? And so I wanted to really break that because that's why I was like, I'm going to go. And if I die, <laughs> you guys know I went and I tried. Document it. That's right. So, but when I went, everything was beautiful. And even the people were telling me, no, no, you're brown like us. Because, you know, a lot of people are like, well, they're racist. And so I hear a lot of that in my culture, that they're racist. And I say, well... I think that maybe we may have to look at where you were at or maybe where your friends are at or you haven't even been there to be able to experience that. And so I tell people I was at Mysore at the bottom southern part of India where there's traditionally a lot of that is still kept. And so it's not touristy like that, only unless you're a yogi. Yeah. But overall, it's not full of all that current modernized stuff that yeah. we got going on. And um when I mentioned to them, I said the same thing to them last year. I was like, so what about racism? Because I didn't know. Yeah. And they were like, what are you talking about? And they were like, you're brown like us. You look like us. 
And I was like, no, 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 that's not what I'm talking about. Because what we talk about in America. So it's just having that stereotype of thinking. Uh I want to break that. Uh, People were like, don't drink the water. And so I was trying to explain to them where I was at. I didn't have any problems drinking water. I had clean water. Yeah. Um, you know, and then out in the villages were clean. I said, so, you know, what you see in the media is not what's in Mysore. I don't know what's around it. My goal is to start traveling through India. So I keep going back. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why I want to create the, um, the yoga transformation program and education program to diversify that whole wellness collective in Mysore. Okay. Because that's kind of what I did here in Indianapolis with the colorful yogas going back. I'm like, just go to the go to the monumental yoga. Yeah. And when I first used to tell me they're like, that's for white people. Only white people go there. And I'm like, no. Yeah. You need to get on the mat and learn yoga. It's not about what color they are. I promise you, it's a beautiful sight. And then eventually you just start seeing other not because of me. I'm sure other people were like, Come on. I started seeing Indians and Asians and each year you just keep seeing it get yeah. bigger and bigger and yeah. it's like you know, so yeah. I'm like a little kid when I go now because I just love to see it. So it's it is my dream to see on the monument part up there. Either to see I don't know Charlie Red in her studio up there or a yeah. collective of yeah. minorities up there banging it out doing yeah. you know to, to get on the mic. You know that's the whole thing. You know that's really a goal for me because yeah. it's not about oh let's show that we have black yoga. It's really to show that we we do do yoga and we are changing and we are going into the communities and we are talking yeah. to people. There. There are 20-year-olds, young black males that are wanting to do yoga in Indianapolis. But they just won't come into a yoga studio. They mm-hmm. won't because they're intimidated. Like yeah. you said, breaking the barriers because they're not sure if they're if they're going to be embraced. And so, you know, I feel like that, you know, if we could get out there in the community and let them know, hey, we love you guys. We want you to do yoga because it needs to be a part of your lifestyle. It may shift some things, you know. It may yeah. help some impulses that may happen you might think beforehand and when they don't get that i i think in my mind how chaotic people are people are yeah you know and not saying that i'm like this calm guru but it really saddens me to know that some people who aren't even conscious of their breath or they don't even get to stretch my body feels terrible when i don't stretch right i feel terrible you know so you know i feel low energy so you know just trying to educate people on the live foods getting some type of humming, chanting, something, meditation, 15 minutes outside. Mm -hmm. I was listening to Lisa's Daltrey's one, and she was talking about every day she's out in Uh, nature. Yeah. And uh, my friend Stephen Rodman, he went up to Kapalu and took yoga from a star. I mean, 2006, he became a yoga teacher. Within that year, became a 500-hour. Within that, he was doing the Cuba trip. Then he got into the uh, nature leadership program and ran from that. I mean, he's just going fast and he's excited you know he's exciting he's a black man that's you know doing this and so you know just seeing that type of power i know that things are coming and growing and to see the community in chicago the yoga community there to see black people empowered like that walking in the mornings doing yoga and groups like that's empowering and that's something that needs to be here for indianapolis um and i know it's happening um sometimes it's a little clicky yeah. You know, but I want to I would like to be one of those people just to talk about it and get it out there that we all need to do yoga. We do have yoga on the east side now. Yeah. With Tanisha Neely. Oh, Somebody you should be. Interviewing. I don't know. I don't know about yeah. Tanisha. Yeah. Yep. And then there's the Black Yoga magazine that just now popped out with the lady named Ashley from Florida. And so I want to be able to be the voice of all the many names that I know and say, go check them out. Yeah. 
go check their restaurant out. You know, go check their place out or mm-hmm. go here. So that's why yeah. I'm the yogi digital nomad. And that's not to get praise on me. That's just who I, I'm loving to be right. right now. I'm just going to ride with it. And yeah. Um, so, yeah, speaking of that, so I can tell you that I'm heading to go see Satya. Satya oh. Retreat with Nikki Myers, John Corn. Oh. oh, nice. October 27th. Uh, Mish called me and asked me if I was interested when I was in L.A. And I was really happy to get that invite because I get to be with Mish and Charlie Red and then see Nikki and John yeah. Corn all in one. So it's like, ah. So I said, yeah. the Midwest is banging it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, we're doing, yeah, we're doing getting on the map now you know well, yeah and that um <laughs> you know sean is really you know she's i've admired her you know from yeah. the first time i saw her here at city probably 10 oh, years gosh. ago and yeah. and um the uh actually i was in um she did a five-day intensive here uh-huh. off the mat uh, 2.0 and i did that with um oh, suzanne wow. sterling yes. and holla Corey and sean and then uh actually that's where i met really met Charlie Red. Okay. I mean, I think I'd seen her around, but she did that training as well. And, yeah. And uh, she's a neat lady doing yeah. exciting things. And, oh, yeah. And that, um, you know, and I see, like, like, I'm always kind of evaluating, what's my role in the community? What's my role in the community? And mm-hmm. I've always, you know, appreciated diversity. And, and I've had to step back and take a look at, try to look at a... Um, you know, majority of yoga studios are kind of these predominantly white mm-hmm. run institutions. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so there's a lack of perspective there. Yeah, yeah. And so that's why the well, Black Yoga Teachers well, Alliance was created. Uh, yeah, that makes total sense. Because white directors from institutions like Kapalo and Omega, they wanted to know what are they talking about? What are we not doing? Yeah. And that was some of the questions. They were like, so what do we need to do, and what do we need to do in our teacher trainings? to make sure that we're pulling in and that we're advocating in certain areas that are underserved. Mm-hmm. And even the influent, the fluent ones aren't doing, you know, aren't doing yoga middle class. So you need to pull it. How do you do that? Yeah. And, you know, so that kind of communication was really great to see that in 2006. It was really great. Well, the, um, I, I love hearing that. And, and so my, so I've kind of shifted in the past several years, like tried to focus my efforts on how can I be supportive in other communities? I don't, I don't know what their needs are. Mm-hmm. I don't want to pretend to um, be able to know what's best for somebody else. Mm-hmm. And, and I learned that in 12 step, you know, like sponsor people. I've been in recovery for over 30 years and, and I, you know, learned very early on, like, I don't know what's best for someone else, mm-hmm. but I can help them get to where they can figure it out, you okay. know, like at, by listening and mm-hmm. power of example and, and whatnot. And something, comes to mind when I, uh, I used to work for Starbucks and, and uh, Howard Schultz, you know, he was, he was pretty um, progressive thinker. You know, he did a lot of things that were first okay. in corporate America. Okay. And, and one thing he did, it always just kind of, it just literally kind of like, like touched my heart for whatever reason. Maybe it's because I'm a father and I have daughters, but oh. he was in Africa in this small community where they wanted to help rebuild the coffee plantations. And there was this, um, it may have been Rwanda or been somewhere where there had been genocide, but like civil war, okay. um, you know, a lot of just death and destruction. And mm-hmm. so they were, um, 
in this village and they were trying to respect the hierarchy of the elders in the community and they were having a kind of like a community meeting talking about um like what can we do uh-huh. um i mean sort of respecting local culture but sort of a sort of like a bit of a western like okay what well, we need um like running water or build a school like uh-huh. let's build you guys a school you know okay so but they wanted to get the blessing of the community and so the elders like yeah you know school would be good and this and that and and um and this one girl stood up in the back and was like may i speak you know and which took a certain level of of courage uh-huh. to stand up in this community of elders at and as a you know these are very patriarchal yeah 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 cultures right uh-huh. and um she was like we you know we can have our classes out under the shade of the tree or whatever but like we need bathrooms like because mm. we, we, when when girls hit puberty ah yes they're no everybody's peeing behind the tree that's right and you so this whole when period starts girls uh-huh. quit going to school oh i see and so she was like able to like you know, like voice that. And it kind of makes me choked up because I'm like, what a powerful message. And yeah. um, actually, when I heard um, Howard Schultz telling this story, he kind of got choked up. Oh, wow. And um, so I like appreciated. He's like, oh, oh, you guys are getting bathrooms. <laughs> right. <laughs> Just because, yeah, because they need yeah. that. Yeah. And, and his takeaway and what I kind of like really appreciate was like, okay, we don't, we have to listen to people that are different from us mm-hmm. and all of us mm-hmm. and have to recognize like, okay, what, what's going to best serve this community? The only way we find out is having honest conversations, yeah. right? The, the whole circling back to like the podcast, right? Like I want to have just real conversations with real people doing interesting stuff. Mm-hmm. It revolves around the yoga community and, um, you know, the things I've seen and experienced in my life, I, I like, I try to, you know, I take to heart and notice like what, what is going on? What's my impact? Mm-hmm. And, and having that, um, and I continue to grow and learn, you know, like, like, uh, awareness of, of cultural differences and, mm-hmm. and what, just being a white male in America represents mm-hmm. to a lot of different demographics, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like Very having good. a sensitivity and awareness and also, um, you know, I want to help people. It's part of my mission and mm-hmm. part of my personality, but um, but also having that uh, that foresight to say, you know, like I, I can want to help serve a community or a group or someone, but um, they may not need or want my help, exactly, right? Exactly. And respect that exactly. and say like, you know, like. I just I, learned that from a friend, uh, uh, Ujjayi Lifeflower. Yeah. He's a, a former lawyer and uh, he's my chant teacher. And uh-huh. um, first thing when the when the uh, hurricanes were going towards Bahamas, I was like, I want to get down there and want to help and be able to do something or whatever. And he was like, would you ever think that maybe the people don't want to be helped? Yeah. Maybe they want to be shifted and moved out of that area. And I was like, oh, I didn't think of it that way. He's like, yeah, you you must not be quick to just think that assume that someone wants help. That's an assumption. Right. And I said, okay, that's true. He said, so you need to 
get the community leader or find someone down there and see what the need is. Mm-hmm. And then whatever that need is. And if you want to go down there with a group of people and do that, but otherwise just don't think you're going to go down there and just yeah. save everyone. <laughs> well, as yogis, like, like I know, we're, community, like, we're like, yeah, yeah let's we're, go fundraise. Let's yes, go do this. Let's yes. help, you know, and often without asking the people you're going to serve, like, <laughs> do you want our help? Yeah. Or yeah. do you do you know what what do you really need? What do you and need? Then, right. And that's what like that little lesson with with Starbucks was like, you know, like going to be an observer, having honest conversations mm-hmm. and and it maybe means like, you know, walking away cuz yeah. there's somebody wants to figure you know, they got their they got their own plan, yeah. you know, and but I I'm very much about inclusion. Mhm. And like you mentioned, monumental yoga mm-hmm. and being able to see that grow as a colorful community of yeah. people yeah. and have. Um, that's my goal to see a parade happening. Yeah. Yeah. That's why well, I, that's another reason why well, I'm playing on the colorful. I'm throwing this out here. Uh, I'm yeah, yeah. You. <laughs> parade. You want to yeah, see so parade. In my mind, I'm like, I can just see acro people moving and all different yeah. colors. Yeah. So I'll just. A little parade. Yeah. Well, I know of, of youth. I'm just seeing a bunch of youth doing something, coming yeah. in, opening. I don't know, you know. Yeah. Well, and something <laughs> you mentioned about the, the the way the younger folks are moving rapidly, yeah. like jumping into this, and and um, you know, I have two girls, a 19 and 20 year old in college, mm-hmm. and my oldest son's 28, and then we have a 15 year old daughter. But they're, I mean, they're like different mindset yeah and they're very um and one daughter that's her junior year in high school she lived in spain for the like the whole school year and total immersion and got fluent in spanish and now she's in scotland for her second year in school there and so that's really to be her third year living in another country Uh and just seeing how the like her worldview like she's truly like being a global citizen and and how her outlook, you know, I mean, she's similarities to, you know, kids her age, Mm -hmm. but uh, there's just like a, um, it's very, it's very, um, it's just amazing to watch and inspiring and to listen to how she, you know, navigates conversations and how she can bridge bridge differences and similarities and that's how I feel about my daughter <laughs> and just have this like I'm like she's going places I mean her generation yeah. they're like they're going places and they're they're going to bridge gaps that my generation struggled with I think and yeah and again so I want to do what I can to support that mm-hmm. and, exactly. and not pretend I know what's like best you know yeah. and um so anyway that's like yeah I mean it's an exciting time to be in the yoga community mm-hmm our teacher training things here, you know, Marsha and I continue to try to keep it fresh and evolving and and listen to people when they give us feedback or like, oh, you should try this. Oh, you should try that. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I feel like, um, you know, we need to get you in here doing some workshop, doing something, you know, in yeah, the I studio. Yeah, I think I'm ready. I think I'm ready. I, I was just trying to decide. I was like, okay, I got to figure out how I'll put my schedule and put in a That's new for me put in and say I'll do a workshop here and and then go do a workshop there I've never really I've done workshops but I've done them myself like uh-huh. pick the location I haven't partnered with people yeah I had got away from that for a while and so now I think I'm ready to partner up with different studios and do what I love to do and then I keep moving and then I come back and 
right now. I think that's where I'm at. And then while I'm doing that, my uh, goal is to, I didn't mention while I was in Mysore, the extended family has a farm out there. Oh. And uh, it's 10 acres. And to hear the story of the gentleman, how he quit his IT job, his family thought he was crazy and he, his wife was pregnant and he just packed the backpack and left. Mm. And they were trying to get him in this mental institution saying something's wrong with you. You make over $150,000. What is wrong with you? You can't leave your wife. She's pregnant. And he said he had this feeling when he was, he was overweight, wasn't eating right. Life was good to everyone else, but not him. Mm-hmm. And he kept thinking about his grandfather's land. And he had, it was 10 acres of no one doing anything to the land. People were just leaving there. I guess maybe 20, 30 years ago, people just weren't tending to acres that were out there. They were more modernized, trying yeah. to get everyone to come over here and get a job. And he said he went back after the 40 days, um, the community, because in Mysore, people feed you. You're never going to go hungry. Right. <laughs> You're going to eat. Yeah, yeah. And so people fed him. And then he went back to the land and he said he blessed the land and prayed on the land, meditated on the land. And then he said one by one, he just took each banana tree and started tending to it. And then he got villagers to come out and help him because they saw him out there. And then uh, one guy came across and asked, could he just help? Could he live there and just help? And he'll just do small stuff as he goes back to the city and over four or five years, it just started growing. Now it's blossomed. It's beautiful there. Oh, wow. So I got to see it in April at a beginning stage of um, turmeric and um, different types of bananas and coconuts and uh, jackfruit and oh yeah, plants and flowers. And, you know, so it was just beautiful to walk through. It was like a jungle. And I was like, I, that was my reality that I was in Mysore. <laughs> I was like, I'm like on fresh land, yeah. you know, that someone touched and took their time out to get with the villagers around and make community. And so he got awarded the award of, um, I guess the book called one straw. It's a Japanese book on gardening. Okay. But basically I guess in India, they were taking the coconut leaves and banana leaves and burning them on the edges of the street. And so in the book, he realized that you could take them and smother the land and keep it moisturized Ah. and keep, keep the land hydrated and each year it'll go deeper and deeper and the hydration will just go deeper into Uh the dirt and so he's been doing that for four years and he got an award uh for um one straw i'll look that up i think it's called one straw yeah um and ujai fire has read that book also because he has a farm down in miami and he was doing similar work so i found that that was like an alignment too but um brother uh, Rau, which is who owns the Krishikamda farm. Okay. So when I went there, they gave me a day tour. Because remember, I told you they were bouncing me around, just seeing little things I could do to put on the program that people would be interested in. So yeah. when I went to this farm, I was going to stay all night to get an experience of what it would feel like to live on a cheaper uh, rate for people who want to just live more raw uh-huh. right. versus in a city. Yeah. And... um. I looked in this building and they had these wires that were all the way up to the ceiling, like really high. I mean, probably 20 feet high. And they were saying the the year before they tried to grow silk and it didn't work. And so they still had all these wires sitting here. I said, well, this is your yoga studio because he was saying a lot of yogis come through. This is an Airbnb on the uh-huh. farm. And you would see different, um, some of the white kids were coming from their rich homes yeah. and just kind of hang out and they just do work and just hang out in India. Yeah. 
So I was like, okay, I, I see what's going on here. Yeah. And he basically said he wanted the space to be something. And I said, turn it into a yoga studio. This is a this is your yoga studio. The next week, he got all the villagers and moved everything out, all the wires, cleared it out, sweeped it, had it painted, had a priest come in, did a ceremony, invited me that morning. They did this whole ceremony, changed everything. I mean, in the front of it, pulled all the weeds up, put plants in and trees and everything. So when I got there, I was shocked. I, I, couldn't be, I couldn't believe that they had just transformed this building into this yoga studio. And so it gave me this sense of, wow, like you've started something. <laughs> like you helped assist something. You've consulted something. Ah. You know, so that really made me feel really great. And um, and then the next week they brought in the painters that had painted a previous building they had. And they've turned the whole studio into something so beautiful that I could not believe the paintings that are on the walls and the things that they did on the outside. And to see it now, it's been like five months now. Each I just keep seeing it each time. It just keeps growing. So Raul was struggling because when I left, everyone was doing yoga every day because I was there. Uh Then as I left, they started venturing off and getting back into life. Mm -hmm. And so Raul was the one that really was really wanting this yoga. He was like, I want to do yoga every day and figure out how I can pay the guru because the Guruji was just teaching us free. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, we got to get donations. We got to figure it out. We got to figure out how he can get his teachings out because he was only a 200 hour. Mm -hmm. And so they wanted to do teacher training there. And I, had to do some research. I was like, you can't do teacher training until you get 500 hours. You got to at least when people travel, they want to know that you're alliance or something. Mm-hmm. And he said, well, I have, I'm UK alliance. I said, okay, so what we need to do is get you 500 hours so you can have your own training and certify. But in the meantime, why don't we do transformation programs? Because what you did to me was like outstanding. The, I had never felt a bond I've never done the poses ever like that, that he had me in. <laughs> but I'm still trying to figure out how to get myself while I'm here. Yeah. So what we're doing now is we're um, raising money for the farm. And it's like $3,000 to keep the farm going, which is a great amount. But to us, that can be eas- easily feasible, you know, by doing programs that can help mm-hmm. the farm. And so people can stay on the farm or they can stay in the city and take um, yoga in the shala in yeah. the politicians building or they can stay on the farm there's two different programs okay. that i'm writing up right now oh nice so that's what's happening and then what we'll do is open the doors where people can start booking and then they can go over and travel and they have lodging they have food already they'll have food come to them they'll give hours at the farm or they can um, just actually stay and just do touring in the city and just be educated and be mm-hmm. transformed that way so Two different ways. So that, and do you have a timeline on when that can? Um, so I like to shoot the first one. I would love to go in and at least get four people, four yogis that are already yogis and get them in by January, 2020 yeah. at a low rate. So they can get in and they'll help assist the guru mm-hmm. and they'll get transformation training and then they'll swap. We'll just okay. swap back and forth and they'll learn how to do, learn some Astanga. They'll learn the language, and, you know, if they're interested in Astanga. Yeah. Or there's hot there's a hot the teacher. Okay. So that's Sister Seema. So it's one of the two. So for me, I'm just looking at it from a standpoint if you want to go experience India, experience the food, transform, kind of detox, get mm-hmm. some stuff out your system, get some clarity, um, go to the temples and get some praying in, get some good food. Um yeah. 
just learning how to live that lifestyle. Cause you know, some people might want to live there. They're selling plots and, mm -hmm. um, it's a lot of opportunity there. Yeah. And then for the farm, that's just could be a yearly exchange. If you want to go on level one, you go there and help with the farm. And then the next semester in the fall, you can go again just so you can keep watching it grow. Cause some people are into that agriculture. Oh yeah. So that's what I want to do. And they would love to come here the, and I would love to bring uh Suresh here yeah to the yoga yeah because he's uh, awesome teacher. oh that would be super cool yeah. yeah and he's a he's a little man he loves to step on you and adjust. he's very good at adjustments oh, yeah so good uh, and, yeah. and he just got that natural just naturally just uh he said teachers and students would come in and so he would play around and they would take yoga and over time, he just started learning that. But he comes from BNS Iyengar. Okay. So that style. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, which is in Mysore as well. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. well, that's uh, that's cool. And I have a you know soft spot in my heart for farming, just like my mom. Oh, do you? And her brothers grew up on a farm, and they've all since passed. And so that there's a little family farm in Illinois that uh -huh. I've been like the only one of the cousins and siblings that's like. Dave, you go, you, can, you know, <laughs> I mean, I volunteered to kind of manage it. So they're like, which I'll do to you okay. know, do something with it. So that, so that's always kind of top of mind, like the connection with the earth yeah, and this, this idea of um, being a steward of the land, mm -hmm. like this, your guy did. Yes. I mean, that total, I, I so appreciate when people can see beyond yeah. oh my goodness. what's, the norm or commercialized things. I think that's things. happening because the Her Living campus is that's out south and they want to do the same thing what he did. Mm -hmm. So connecting that here in Indianapolis and then the two sisters in Chicago are working with another gentleman's had 20 years of farming in the city in the inner city is four uh, farms and they would help assist you in that because yeah. they're in Chicago. Oh yeah. So we're all trying to learn this go back to the roots and agriculture and grow and so for yeah. like 10 years, I've had my community garden over in, um, what is over there by Butler, behind Butler, the little district? Oh, uh, Butler Tarkington. Yeah. 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 So behind there, um, I've always kind of assisted there. I, I give myself a B minus, <laughs> you know, I, yeah. I was in the community, but relationships. So, you know, like I always say a codependent in a relationship. And I know every time I stick my hand in the dirt, I always think I'm just scratching and combing the earth. Yeah. And when I do that, things become more grounded. So yeah. that's a big thing for me to, I, I, I feel like it's coming my way for a reason. Um, and so they're reaching out to me. And Rahu was like, Latin, I want to get certified as a teacher. You say I'm a yogi, then I want to be a teacher. Mm -hmm. And so just getting, you know, hoping to get him certified so he can do that whole Airbnb and certified all that, people. Yeah, yeah I, I just want to see all that blossom. Yeah, that would be super cool. And, yeah. and uh, when you see this, if you get a chance to go, yeah, I feel like we're gonna, it's gonna happen. Yeah, I, I you, mean, you'll be amazed. I mean, I've got, there's my vision board. Oh, oh, India, <laughs> right there, right? Awesome. <laughs> um, so, so it's on the radar. Awesome. You know, my wife Annie, she went before we were married. She had gone to uh, Coimbatore, which is in southern India, is that, is Tamil that, region. Where east they, west or it's south. So is that but, further um, than Mysore? It's further south okay. than Mysore. Okay. And they've got. She went to the ashram Sadhguru's set up, and then she went to. Uh, he was leading a uh, group, small group, uh, into the Tibet, and you know, into the Himalayas, nice. and oh wow, and um, up to um, 
uh, Kailash. Oh. Yeah, so they were at Lake Monserova. Yeah, that's where, my goal next. Yeah, I'm like, I'm like, oh, and, and she was there with Sadhguru, and it's like, oh she was goodness. like very powerful experience. And yeah, and um, so I was, so I, you know, every since so she told me about that trip, yeah. I'm like, oh my, yeah, I gotta, I go, gotta go someday. Yeah, and uh, you know, but we've and we've got you know, nourish wellness. Yes, you know, that's blossomed out of her work is in yoga and community and, yes. and health and that's why we have those raised bed organic gardens and and we have a garden in our backyard and we oh. like there's a connection with like feeding the community and and uh spending time you know hands in the earth and, mm-hmm. and earthing earth, no that's a new word now. earthing earthing, it, earthing? yeah Look it and, up. Then, and then we got chickens yeah. you know we get nice. you know so we were we um like we're vegetarian but we'll eat eggs but uh-huh. um so <laughs> there's this um but there's this power of growing food it, and it eating, eating eating a meal i don't know how many times this summer we had a lot of times where like 90 percent of the food on our plate was grown yeah you know in the garden and um and you don't need much yeah I, that's what i was amazed about growing my own food i was like you only ate a little and it went for the whole day well, the if you think <laughs> about prana, prana yes. energy, yes, and that this wholesome, really fresh food, yes. there's it's just, I mean, it's, a a, it's packed with nutrition, but there's yeah. an energy that comes. Your body doesn't have to work as hard to digest it. Yes. It's it's food that is made for human consumption, exactly, not yeah. manufactured, exactly, <laughs> right? It's just very, um, you know, like that local farm to table. This like. It's a total difference. It's so fresh. It's so, um, and, you know, I remind myself and people that before, really before World War II, Mm -hmm. the, like all farms were organic in America. You know, like like what we've come into this processed food and, you know, this quick fix and the manufacturing of our, you know, the foods that make us all sick now. But, Mm But that's that's really just a, a very recent, in the big scheme of things, um, you know, trend that has happened, and and I think that we're seeing a slow reversal back. It, it is that yeah. that is what's happening. Yeah, and even yeah. even in India, they got in a lot of trouble with chemical farming, oh, and gosh. now there's droughts. And, mm-hmm. But all, all little pockets of the world that, like, we imported our techniques. And, I know, and then, <laughs> and then, then <laughs> they're like, no, no more. Yeah, and so yeah, India now and they're not no more plastic bottles i heard that yeah so they're moving quick they're not playing they're they aren't yeah. and they've got what 1.2 billion people yeah. right yeah like there's they gotta move quick they yeah <laughs> not no messing around so yeah um well we could talk all day i know clearly <laughs> clearly but I, I i don't want to monopolize all your time but this has been great i mean yes. we've, we, we have to do this again for sure as things grow and evolve i feel like there's a lot of a lot of topics we touched on that we yeah, could dig good. dive deeper into for sure um so in the fall i know you mentioned before we got on here that in late october november like what do you have going on that so people um can can find out what you're up to so i'm doing the on the yoga journey and healing tour i'm doing the southern part of uh united states since i've went around and then I did the West Coast. And so I'm going to be in um, Montgomery, 
Alabama on the 27th through November 1st with Mickey and Sean. And then I'm going to head to... Will you be participating as a participant or leading some yoga for the program? I'll be a participant, but I don't know. Yeah. You know, we never know. So I'll be a participant for right and now, observing. Do you want to elaborate on that, that program? Or? Um, so the program is to... So basically, Sean Korn does the off the mat into the world, um, mm -hmm. educating people to get off your mats and spend your money in some wise places that are help for missions and help people you know, right. instead of helping yourself. And then I believe that they brought it to the United States so people can be conscious and aware about the uh, incidents that have happened during the civil rights um, uh, down in uh, Montgomery. And so it's for anyone that wants to take the program to learn and come see some of the um, some of the, what they call it, memorial, 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 like the historically relevant sites yeah, and yeah. memorials. Yeah. Yeah. And go visit those areas and get educated and do yoga and do some eating and collaborating. And, um, I don't know what the overall goal is, but, um, I know that, um, that a lot of my yogi friends, sister friends are going to be there. And I, okay. I'm curious to see. Sean and Nikki collaborate and put it together. There's some other, um, two other um, facilitators are going to be there. So this would be something interesting for me to be a student again, uh -huh. um, to learn and get ideas for just whatever it is that I'm doing. Um, I learn from them a lot. And um, and then I'll be in um, Birmingham, uh, Alabama to help my um, comedic yoga sister and Thai sister. Uh, we're going to do a pop-up. So we're going to do a some type of Thai yoga fun pop up because she went down there and there's not really much yoga down there. So she's doing really well down there. Oh, good. And yeah. so I just kind of want to visit her and check on her mom and see how she's doing. Um, and then I'm going to take a bus and go down into Atlanta. And then I'm going to see Marsha Shackleford, which is uh, she's from Indianapolis. Mm -hmm. She's doing great things with uh, Koya Webb, which is a black yoga teacher in L.A. Okay. She's an international yoga teacher and runs all these worldwide Oh, retreats. yeah, yeah. I've seen she, yeah, I think I started yeah. the Yoga Journal Conference yeah, years yeah. ago or uh -huh. something, yeah. Yeah, so she's, Marcia, she knows Marsha, so I want to go down there and kind of give her some hugs and love, and she's doing some powerful stuff down there as a new yogi and a new Thai therapist, and yeah. just want to encourage her and um, then I'm going to see Anna Hawk. Anna Hawk, she's a uh, comedic yoga teacher. You've seen maybe her on uh, some of the comedic, um, comedic CD. She's the first one that came up with a comedic CD. Okay. One of the original pioneer teachers of uh, Brother Yassar from Chicago, okay. uh, the creator of comedic yoga. So I'm going to go down there and visit them. And, and just, we're, we're, at, we're at collaborating right now, a pop-up. Okay. For Atlanta as I come down there. And then I don't know where I'm going from there. Okay. I'm going to kind of cut through Dal Dallas a little bit too. Okay. And then I'm going to come back to Indianapolis. And then for the winter, my whole goal is basically for the past year and a half is to stay in the sun as much as possible. Because um, being in the Midwest, being here in Indianapolis for over 40 plus years, I'm 46 and uh, I've been wanting sun. So I want to try to get. 12 months of sun as I can. So okay. I'm shifting away from the winter. <laughs> so as the winter comes, I kind of move away from Indianapolis and then yeah. I kind of come back into, okay. uh, for my healing. Um, I think I have seasonal disorder. Okay. Um, and so I'm trying to heal that Okay. and uh, heal some of that dark depression that I had from my childhood and 
So that's why I'm a student now um, and working just a little bit on particular clients, not doing too much. Okay. And uh, that's where I'm at. All right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, you've got exciting things going on for yeah. sure. And I'll, uh, I'll make sure in our podcast just notes and things. We got your Facebook, your Instagram, mm -hmm. your YouTube channel, mm -hmm. uh, Yogi Latin for those yeah. of you that want to get a jump on it. And um, that will, um, yeah, this this will this will probably air in October, okay, early. And um, and yeah, it's just been a pleasure. Thank you for letting me talk. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well. Yeah, anytime. I've been wanting to get this out for years. <laughs> <laughs> well, now it is done. Thank you. <laughs> our, and thank you to our audience out there. We appreciate you listening and sharing the podcast with friends and family. You can rate us. You can leave comments. And um, that just helps, help us, helps us keep it going. So, again, thank you to all. And thank you to Latin. Thank and you. until next time. Namaste. Namaskar. <laughs> Thank you for listening to The Yoga Voice, brought to you by City Yoga School of Yoga and Health, where we are committed to exploring how yoga inspires and transforms. Find out more at www.cityyoga.biz. That's C-I-T-Y-O-G-A dot biz. Special thanks to our producer, Brian Sims, for his audio expertise.